You're listening to Dialed In, a National Club Golfer podcast. everyone welcome to dialed in our weekly look at the best bets on the european and pga tours if you are having a flutter on any of this week's events please remember to gamble responsibly and now introducing ncg's form expert the man who picks out the winners or in recent weeks the places barry Plummer. welcome barry hi steve how are you yeah very good mate um i was very hopeful for you at various points on sunday with Bob McIntyre in the final group in Dubai and Tony Finau with a little charge at Torrey Pines. It looks like it looked like you were going to get two winners at one point or have a really good chance of it. And in the end, you've had to settle for some places, but place money is better than no money. Absolutely. Yeah. It seemed like one of those days where you had your player on the green for a birdie part and they seemed to walk off with a bogey part, which was uh, all too common, but it's, you know, it's one of those, like you said, I'm, I'm, we've had a, a good little run since the start of 2021 with a couple of runner-up finishes and a, a third place. So, you know, we're getting there, we're getting close, and I think we're not not far away from picking that winner. Paul Casey, hugely impressive in Dubai. Um, already looking like uh, a certainty for Padraig Harrington's Ryder Cup team. Yeah, yeah. Again, one of those players who, when I see it, was McIntyre trying to catch uh, Casey after that, that impressive eagle on the 18th in the round three. Um, he's one of those players, like I mentioned with Tyrrell Hatton last week, he's just so consistent when he gets to the front, he's really difficult to, to bring back and you knew it was going to take one, a spectacular effort from McIntyre, but, but also a few mistakes from, from Casey and when he chipped in from the, from the cabbage off the back of the par three, I could already tell at that point it was going to be a difficult day for, for our picks, but yeah, he, he deserved a win and, uh, and like you said, could, could have a formidable partnership in the uh, Ryder Cup team. Uh, with Bob McIntyre, which has been very much spoken about since they're playing together yesterday. And over on the PGA Tour at Torrey Pines, well, controversy or not, um, with the rules, it didn't stop Patrick Reed, who surged to victory, basically. I mean, the round was a clinic. Yeah, he, he's again, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but again, he, he falls into that similar mould of the Paul Casey's and the Tyrrell Hattons of, of the moment, um, where he is just really consistent. He, he does stuff which um, I heard on the commentary them say that he's just a bit of a, a school and an education for, for young players on tour and young players coming into the game of golf and just the way that he's so methodical about everything he does and, and always seems to be uh, capable of getting the job done when he gives himself the opportunity. Hard to take any real notes from um, the Farmers Insurance going ahead to the US Open in June. I mean, clearly weather conditions made this a very, very different event, but I did note, even though he had an ultra cold day on the greens on Sunday, John Rahm up there again, and he's got an incredible record at, at, at Torrey Pines. And um, he's definitely one for the notebook, I think, for the US Open later in the year. Yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, going going into this week's PGA event, it, it, again, justifies being up there as one of the favourites because he's John Rahm and he's one of the best players in the world. Um, like you said, that, that quiet day on the greens probably came at a time where he was looking to really make a bit of a surge and put some pressure on Reed, and it didn't really work out for him. And uh, I think at that point, the the realm of old, maybe the frustration started to eke out a bit, which uh, is something he seems to have 
kept under control for a little while. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes uh, over the next few events. Well, from one action-packed week on the golf tours to another, and we've got two fabulous events in terms of field. The Saudi International on the European Tour and the Phoenix Open over on the PGA Tour. The latter, of course, will be a very different event this year. I think they're expecting some crowds, but clearly the 16th will not be the cavern uh, of an experience that it usually is. But let's uh, start with the Saudi International and the European Tour. The world number one is with us, Dustin Johnson, heading the betting markets. But the field, the quality just goes on throughout. Bryson DeChambeau, Tyrrell Hatton, Patrick Reed, uh, Tony Finau, Victor Hovland, Tommy Fleetwood, Paul Casey, Sergio Garcia. I can go on and on and on. Yeah, I mean, it, for me, when I saw the, the field for this event, I, I, I've made a bit of a, uh, a rule, really, since uh, his win at the Masters in November, that if DJ plays, you back DJ, because at the moment, his form's just incredible and he's, he's unbelievable. But unfortunately, the value at the top end of the market, I, I can't warrant um, selecting a player that's, you know, single-figure odds and, uh, a lot of those players at the top of the market could quite easily go and dominate this event and, and make it a bit of a non, non-starter for our, our selections today. But uh, there's, like you said, because of the quality in the field uh, and the depth and quality in the field, there are some really good value options, which is uh, hopefully what I picked up for us today. So the Royal Greens Golf and Country Club, Barry, wouldn't be the longest course by any means on the European Tour, shared over... 7,000 yards and the defending champion Graham McDowell might be indicative of that. Um, he would not be by any stretch of the imagination the longest player on the worldwide golf tours. Hope you don't mind me saying that Graham. So I mean what what kind of player then um, does this course uh, benefit? So there are a lot of large waste areas where players are going to want to avoid and the coastal winds if they get up are going to cause players problems. So maybe some experience of linksy types courses as well. Uh, are going to be uh, a good indicator for how well the players will play here this week. Um, in terms of previous form, players coming in uh, with some desert form and a top 10 recently um, are what we can take from a relatively small sample of previous years' uh, leaderboards. And interestingly, one of the things which I picked up when looking at those two runnings of this event is that a lot of the players who've been successful here, top 10, top 5, um, have played well at desert courses, as we know, but also at Harbour Town Links, uh, Valderrama, these really short, tricky, um, intricate, strategic courses that you need to be quite clever with your shot shaping and your ability to manipulate the ball. Uh, so that's something which I factored into my selections as well this week. Well, let's get on to those because that's what everyone's here for. Um, your chief selection, I was very interested to see this um, on your list because I would say one of his lowest points of his career has come at this particular course. Um, he's got a DQ to his name here. Who is it, Barry? Yeah, so it's Sergio Garcia, 26 to 1. Um, I, I think he, he did well um, to, you know, banish maybe the uh, memory of, of that un unfortunate event, let's say, uh, when he was sick from this event last year. Uh, he was also sick last week as well. So, his recent form is starting to take an upwards turn, um, which maybe that's linked to the fact that obviously we've got the Ryder Cup this year. And we already know from listening to Padre Carrington that he's someone that is being very closely looked at for that team as the uh, record point scorer for Team Europe uh, in the history of the Ryder Cup. He also had a fifth place at Harbour Town in 2020 uh, and has won twice at Valderrama. Again, like I said, looking at those courses and the links they've had um, on those leaderboards, that could be an interesting factor. 
He was second for strokes gained off the tee last week. Um, he's a very long, very accurate driver of the ball. It's one of his main strengths. But he was also very good on the approach to the green, ranking 13th for strokes gained approach. Um, his recent performances in the last three months have shown a bit of an improvement in his play around the greens as well. He's gone uh, into the top five for the stroke, uh, strokes gained off the, around the green category. And uh, for me, in a year when he's going to be trying really hard to push himself into those uh, Ryder Cup places and get himself into that team, I think that he's probably not going to be too far away uh, in a lot of the European Tour events this season. Your next selection is a player that's been in and about your tips already this year. Yeah, Christian Bezade now. Again, I picked him uh, a couple of weeks ago and actually he was OK. He, he, I think, finished in the top 15. He was, was not anywhere near contending but again he's just been so consistent um, that I'm really finding it hard not to uh, put him into my thoughts at the moment he's won twice in South Africa as we know at the end of 2020 his recent form reads 2 14 12 22 so he's there or thereabouts in all of his recent events um, and he's a player who's just you know got so much consistency across his game he was last week top 20 for Stokes game to tee to green he was in the top 10 for strokes gained uh, approach and in the top five for scrambling. So he's one of those players, like I said, who if he can um, get his putter firing and can keep that consistency around the rest of his game, he's going to have a really good chance. He won at Valderrama, as we know, uh, recently. He's got solid recent desert form. I mean, a lot of those um, numbers that I've read from his recent form stats come from desert events. Uh, and he was 21st in this event last year. So he has got some experience on this course and uh, I would be surprised if he didn't put in another really solid effort. And an open champion at 50 to one. Yes, please. Yeah, Shane Lowry has been someone I've been watching for a little while now because he seems to, again, be having a little bit of an upturn in his form. He had a bit of a up and down year last year and he had a bit of an up and down week last week, actually, in fact. Um, a highlight for him last week was his bogey 367 on Saturday. In that round, he was third for driving accuracy third for greens and regulation and first for scrambling in the field. So it was a, a really strong all-round performance for him in that third round. Didn't really go his way um, on Sunday, but he has got a third at Harbour Town, uh, a runner-up at Valderrama. He's won in the desert. And as you said, he's an open champion from Royal Port Roche, where actually the conditions were uh, horrendous uh, and, and he did really well to win in those conditions. So if he can um, bank on any player to play well when the wind kicks up um, over the course of this event. Shane Lowry's not going to be too far away. Uh, Thomas Detry was leading halfway in Dubai. Things didn't quite work out for him over the weekend, but um, he did finish in ninth, I think, Barry, overall. And, and, and you've got him at what seems to be a very intriguing price with that in mind. Yeah, I think probably, again, down to the quality of the field this week, he seems to have uh, sort of gone back to a very uh, nice mark of 70 to 1. Uh, lots of each way value there because, as you said, he led it halfway in Dubai, ended up finishing ninth. But those uh, his performance statistics, even though he had a bit of a, um, a poor round perhaps on Sunday, um, he was still ranked fourth for, stro uh, for greens in regulation, 24th for strokes gained off the tee and seventh for strokes gained around the green for the entire tournament. So, you know, the numbers tell a story that actually was relatively consistent. And although, again, I think that the theme for a lot of these players that I'm putting up is the putter. Um, if the putter fires for these players, they give themselves a brilliant opportunity to win. Now, Thomas Dietrich obviously hasn't got a recognised European Tour win yet. Only that World Cup um, win with uh, Thomas Peters. Um, and, you know, that's something which he'll want to rectify very quickly because he's certainly one of the best players 
around on the European Tour who hasn't won yet. He has got a 33rd place, although that doesn't sound too impressive, in uh, Punta Cana. Uh, that was on the same surface as we've got here this week, the Pasfalum um, surfaces. GMAC actually won there um, as well and obviously won the event in Saudi last year. So there's a little bit of interesting correlation there. Uh, he's got a sixth place in this event, an eighth at Valderrama, some good desert form. So at 70 to one, I think he's definitely worth uh, a little bit of each way value. And finally for you, Barry, an Englishman who seems to be on the up at the moment. Yeah, I really liked the look of Laurie Cantor before I started having a real look into his, his recent form. Um, and actually I was a little bit knocked back by how well he's done uh, since August last year. He's had eight top 15 finishes in his last 14 starts. Uh, including two runner-ups. I mean, that's a phenom phenomenal return for a player who's really starting to build a profile on the European Tour. Uh, and it was there or thereabouts again last week, fourth place. Uh, his, his statistics were fantastic. Third for strokes gained off the tee, first for greens in regulation, second for birdies, uh, which shows why he ended up where he did. That isn't just a flash in the pan for him because uh, when you look at last season's statistics, he also ranked first for strokes gained off the tee for the whole season. Uh, and when you look at the players and the quality uh, that, that play on the European Tour regularly, that's, that's some achievement. He won't be over, you know, overwhelmed by the quality in this field this week, particularly, because he's already got a fifth place finish at the DP World Tour Championship in December. And that was in you know, a really strong field. So I think at 80 to 1, again, he, he, he's definitely going to be um, some good value to go and push for a place. And you know, th there's going to come a time relatively soon I believe where Laurie Cantor is going to really show himself and he's going to get himself a win on the European Tour. And, and clearly as you've mentioned before some obvious desert form there I mean not just last week but obviously at the DP World Tour Championship he's a player isn't he that just needs to cut down on some mistakes and, and then he'll get over the line but I suppose the prospect of an error or two creeping in is why you're getting 80 to 1. Yeah, I mean, the disappointing thing for Cantor, I think, a little bit is his, his performances around the greens. And we've already said that's going to be important here this week. So I think that's going to depend a lot on the, the success of this selection is if he can cut out some of those mistakes around the green and get up a few, a few times where he is out of position. If he can get up and down and get himself a par rather than walking off with a, a bogey or, you know, a double bogey, that's going to make a big difference on his scorecard and, and overall position at the end of the event. Well, let's move from one desert to another and the Waste Management Phoenix Open at TPC Scottsdale, Arizona. I mean, you think the field at Saudi is pretty impressive. Check out some of the runners and riders uh, this week on the PGA Tour. John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Xander Schauffele, Webb Simpson, Hideki Matsuyama. It's like the world's best are all playing this weekend, whether they're playing in the European Tour or whether they're playing in... Uh, in Arizona. Um, TPC Scottsdale, clearly we know all about the 16th and the, um, and the fabulous experience that is. It's going to be very different this time around, but tell us a bit more about the course. Yeah, so a, fa a famous course, as you mentioned, it's another short one. Uh, Bermuda surfaces, which a lot of the players uh, favour. Some deep bunkering and water hazards. The altitude also needs some consideration um, when players are, are factoring that into their shots and their calculations. But as you mentioned, that closing stretch of the last sort of four or five holes is going to be where all the excitement uh, is. And, and hopefully there is that excitement on Sunday uh, for hopefully at least one of our players moving down that stretch. This course rewards solid ball striking. Players who um, you know, can be very, very accurate and very precise with their tee shots, with their approach shots. And that's evidence that the last five winners of this event, 
four out of five have been inside the top four for strokes gained approach. Four out of five have been in the top two for strokes gained tee to green. And five of the last five winners have been in the top 20 for st uh, strokes gained off the tee. So you're looking at players here who, who are going to be that sort of really dependable, maybe potentially finding the right positions on the fairway um, players, and, and, and that's going to give them a great chance. There are some correlating courses which you can look at for uh, interesting little links into form um, according to strokes gain profile. Uh, and that's like the Nicholas course at PGA West, TPC Boston and Bay Hill. Um, they're worth looking at to see if any of these players are, are linking between. And some of the players I've picked today, I've got some interesting form on those courses as well. Nine out of 10 of the last winners have had a top five recently and 10 out of 10 have had a top 10. So recent form coming into this is important. And if you can see that they've been there or thereabouts recently, it's going to give them a much better chance moving into what, what will be a, a tricky little event. Well, favourite backers better put their fingers in their ears for a bit because there's not a Ram, Thomas or McElroy in sight in your selections. I mean, what are your thoughts on the market principles? Um, Ram obviously showed some form at Torrey Pines, disappointing Sunday for him on the greens. McElroy was there or thereabouts and then Sunday turned out as Sunday has turned out for him at recent times. I mean, do you expect any of that big three if we're going to put them that way to feature? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, again... I suppose I'm more looking at the angle of value, really, um, and looking at trying to find some value in that sort of middle range to top to the top end where, you know, one of my selections is, is triple figures. Um, th those those market favourites are going to be uh, there or thereabouts this week, I've no doubt. I mean, McElroy, unfortunately, seems to really be struggling to get over the line at the moment and puts himself in positions just as he did in Abu Dhabi and uh, last week. But, I mean... Any any one of them could, as they as we said in Saudi, where the uh, favourites are really strong. There, anyone could walk away with this event. But I think the four that I've chosen have got some some really interesting uh, form to offer. And I think that if we can look at um, some value, then it's a much uh, better way to have a little gamble on this event. Well, let's crack on then, Barry. Phoenix Open selections, kick us off, please. Okay. Yep. So first is Daniel Berger, expected about twenty six to one at the moment. Uh, he comes into the event in fantastic form. He has had two top 10s in his last two starts, a top 25 in each of his last four starts, and he's on an incredible run of, a, of 11 top 35 finishes in a row since Memorial last year. Uh, that's the last time he missed the cut, and his, his performances in each one of those events has put him somewhere around the top end uh, at some point, which is something which, for me, if you're looking at somebody who fits that profile of a really consistent ball striker who's going to show you four rounds that they can do that round after round, Daniel Berger is one of those players for me. He had a third place uh, finish at TPC Boston in 2020 at the Northern Trust. Uh, he's got no real weaknesses in his game, although his stats don't really jump off the page at you, as in, you know, top 10s and top 20s uh, in each of the strokes game categories. He's, he's got no uh, stats on there which are you know off the charts so he's somebody who's just there or thereabouts with all of them and I think actually if he can string together a decent round um, at this event then you know he should have a, a, re a really good chance of winning. Yes Sungjae Im your next selection someone I've admired for quite some time um, not just for his tied second finish at Augusta in November but because he seems to play all the time as well why do you think Phoenix is going to suit him quite so much? Yeah, I mean, there was no, there was no doubt was there whether or not he'd go over to Saudi because he just loves playing on the PGA Tour so much. And his, his recent form has been, has been really good. Again, three top 15s in the last six events. He's another one of those consistent type players um, who, who can, you can sort of depend on a little bit really to be able to uh, put four rounds of really good ball striking together. And that's the sort of line that I'm going down 
with these selections. He was seventh here in 2019, and he's got a couple of third place finishes at Bay Hill. Um, on PGA Tour this season, he's currently 20th for strokes gained off the tee, 36th for green in regulation, and 13th for what we call the going for green percentage, which means he's quite an aggressive player. He likes to go for the green. He likes to uh, push it to try and get himself those low scores. And although that sometimes doesn't always work in his favour, I like that type of uh, mentality at this, at this particular course. Uh, I think that last week you can take little bits from and, and some of it you can disregard because last week he went into the final round, uh, shot five under par on the front nine, put himself in contention. Everyone was thinking, hang on a second, this is a really good late surge from Sungjae. And then shot himself out of it in the back nine with a plus six uh, in the final round. So, you know, it's one of those where there are signs of promise and things that maybe he can improve on. Uh, another player that if the putter works this week, he should uh, be there or thereabouts again. And your next selection, Barry, is a player that many uh, pundits on the PGA Tour think is a winner waiting to happen. Yeah, Will Zalatoris, around 50 to 1. He's, he's, he's one of those players who, in a few years' time, we're going to be talking about as one of those market favourites. I'm, I'm confident of that because he's got so much class and so much skill. And he's sort of in that mould of the Hovland and the Morikawa and the Matt Wolf who came through um, recently. And, and actually, his performance last week really showed that. The Eagle on the 18th to get him a seventh-place finish, playing with some really high-quality players. Um that wasn't just, again, not just a flash in the pan for, for Zalatoris either, because fourth for strokes gained tee to green, 15th for strokes gained off the tee, fifth for strokes gained approach, and fifth for strokes gained total on the tour out of everybody uh, that plays on the PGA Tour this season. So, you know, uh, against some really high quality opposition, he's up there, there or thereabouts in all of those key measures. He's also, as we know, had a tied sixth finish at the US Open in what was another really high quality field. Uh, and he's had three top tens and six events since that sixth place at the US Open. So he's certainly one to watch for the future. But for 50 to one each way this week, I think he certainly offers a bit of value if he can carry over some of the form that he, uh, and the performance he showed last week. Well, who's rounding off your selections at the Phoenix Open then, Barry? Yeah, so this one is a little bit further afield in, in the odds. Um, we expected three figures at least uh, for Luke List. Uh, Luke List is a player who, again, I haven't really selected a lot over the last sort of 12 months or so in PGA Tour events, but he showed me something last week which really impressed me. With an op he opened and closed with a 66 at last week's event. And as we know, Sunday was a really difficult, challenging round of golf for the players at Torrey Pines, and a 66 there was really, really impressive and actually the lowest score of the day. Um, he has a top 25 in this event, uh, was 10th last week at Torrey Pines. And that round four that I spoke about, that, that really low round, his strokes gained figures were just absolutely phenomenal. Top 11 for off the tee, top three for tee to green, top 10 for approach, top 15 for putting and top 15 for around the green. So he was in the top 15 for every strokes gained measure um, at what was one of the most challenging uh, rounds of golf that we've seen of 2021 yet. So I think if Luke List can show us a little bit of a continuation, which he hasn't always done in the past. It usually, you know, he, he's put in a really good performance and then he might have a missed cut or a few missed cuts. If he can pull that across from Torrey Pines and bring it over to TPC Scottsdale, I think that Luke List could uh, push up for some really, really good each way value at what is going to be a huge price. Well, plenty there for punters to ponder. Um, as always, Barry, I'm not going to let you go without nailing your colours to the mask. So of, of all of those players that you've put up, 
at five on the European Tour, four on the PGA Tour. Who's Barry's banker this week? Yeah, I'm going to head over to the PGA this week. And I think I can't really ignore Daniel Berger just because of his consistency. That run of 11 straight top 35s um, dating back to Memorial last year means that, you know, he's always there or thereabouts. And I think in this sort of field, at this sort of event, he's going to have a really good chance of pushing for a win. Thanks for that, Barry. And thanks again for joining us. I really enjoyed chatting with you and hearing your selections and the reason behind them. Yeah, thanks very much, Steve. And just remember, you can read more from Barry Plummer uh, with his tips on nationalclubgolfer.com every Monday and Tuesday. Until next week, thanks for joining us on Dialed In.